foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. Not ducks, like quack, quack, like ducks. Uh, ducks. In case you're like, do I have ducks in my breast? <laughs> this is a very educational show. Stick with us. Welcome to the Katie Says Podcast, where Danny Hemmett and Katie Bowman talk about movement, the tiny details, the larger issues, and why movement matters. I'm Katie Bowman, biomechanist and author of Move Your DNA. And I'm Danny Hemmett, a chronically curious movement teacher. And today, we're going to dig into breastfeeding again. I can't even believe I just said that sentence. I know. <laughs> you're going to knead around. You're going to knead pop I know. around. Yeah, and you're going to hear thunder. There's thunder going on in the background. It's very cool. Okay, this is going to be part two of the part one. That was our last show on breastfeeding. And also we did one like way back when. Go ahead and listen to those as well. And we'll link to both of those in the show notes. And speaking of show notes, we get a lot of questions like, where can we find the show notes? So I'm going to walk you over to them right now. Come with me. We're going to go to nutritiousmovement.com. Click on listen on the top bar, or if you're on a mobile device, the box, then you're going to scroll all the way down until you see something about the podcast and the bottom button below all the boxes showing where you can listen to us is the get your transcripts here button. Click on that and they're all there. In order. In yes, order by in episode order. number. It's pretty cool. And you can search them and stuff. All right. Yeah. Let's get back to breastfeeding. Okay. Yeah, we have so much. Oh, my <laughs> we gosh. Have so many stacks, questions in the show. Stacks of questions. We will not be able to get to all of them. But again... Like we say often, most of the questions that we get are, they're really personal, but like, why is this happening to me? And the, my answer is, I don't know. So that'd be a very boring <laughs> show of me just saying, I don't know, 20 times in a row and goodbye. Thanks you should just listening. do a one minute show for every single person ever. Exactly. Okay. Well, my one minute show for every single person is essentially this. Th all I can really talk about is movement, that a movement 
that mo- movement is not exercise. Exercise is not like that. They're not equal that you're constantly adapting to all these movements that you do and that the situation that you're experiencing, your whole entire physical experience can be relating back to how you move. The alignment of your body, the frequency that you use, your body, the repetitious movements that you have, but probably most importantly is how sedentary you actually are. This sedentarism is very hard to detect when every other person that you know and will come into contact with is equally sedentary, almost entirely non-moving. It's hard for the the concepts that we're even talking about to make sense because you're like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I move all the time. I did this and I do plenty of these. So it's one to set to take that notion and just set it on the table for a second while you're listening and consider the fact that if you were in a desert and you hadn't had anything to drink, like you were, you were existing on, you know, a few teaspoons of water a day that that could sustain you, but that the effects that you were experiencing would, would be of a drought. But if you had never been in a time of abundant water, you would never recognize drought like conditions. They were just, you know, what mm. home looks like. Right. And so, so many of the questions is, do you think it's this? And do you think it's that? And and so alignment, we, we kind of, at first we talk about alignment as, you know, where's my pelvis and where's my ribs? Remember, it's not only the orientation of parts, it's, and then how you use those orientation of parts and, and the total amount that you're using all of the orientations of all of the parts, that too is alignment. So to be, quote, in alignment, it's not just, in your chair, adjusting your hips and your ribs, it's going, wow, I've never actually used my hips to carry my entire body for 27 miles in a day, right? You know, like there are so many layers. And so you can go back to all of our shows and slowly over time, things will make sense to you. So remind me, I just got a great letter kind of to this effect. I'll share it a little bit later on, but I want to start about, I want to talk about uh, breastfeeding. Okay. So anyway, those are always my answers is, my interest is how the movement drought, like what are the symptoms of being in a movement drought? How do those vary for different people, given that we are consuming some movement, it, although to ver- various degrees, literally, you know, of our body and of different frequencies, although we're all still in the sedentary culture category together. So breastfeeding, like last time we talked about breastfeeding ecology. Mm-hmm. Which was when you have a question or are trying to understand breastfeeding or anything, anything biological, that ecological perspective, when you start considering it, you're going to end up with many different answers than when you're not considering the ecological perspective. So again, to remind everyone, ecology is like, it's the branch of biology that deals with the relations and interactions between organisms and their environment, including other organisms. So it's how does your entire experience affect breastfeeding? And your entire experience includes like the foods that you eat and the locations in which you're doing it and the state of your right and left arms and how much you've moved your arms and your chest muscles throughout your entire life. And and then all of that for the child as well, that you're just dealing with an extremely complex set of variables. Like yeah, there's so many things. Just and just go on and on. You can't. And 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 we are only talking about one tiny 
piece of the puzzle. So like I'm going to talk about movement and habitat, but it just like you can add light and and thoughts and and history. Like it like you could just like you could just keep going on and on. So I do not have all the answers. I do I barely have one hundred thousandth of a percent of one percent of the answers. All I can really <laughs> offer are I can offer you perspectives to which you can start thinking about these things. You're kind of thinking about them in very dualistically and and that's very hard to find solutions to these situations that are created by complex things when we have that really dualistic which is it right or wrong 50 degrees or 47 degrees you know like it's just like well well, it just depends all right so put on your it depends hat and t-shirt and matching shirt (laughs) and then also whenever we're talking about breastfeeding just keep in mind that there are lactation consultants and professionals that deal entirely with breastfeeding family maternal baby support yes you know like this is information about biomechanics it's kind of cool i think it's help you think but at the end of the day i'm not so sure that 100 percent or 87 percent of the things that i give are practical because a lot of times i don't have any practical things beyond the things that you already have I'm just talking about the larger issues at hand. Right. But people who are professionals like this, they often have really practical things to get you through the day, get you through the year while you can, you know, mull on these things that we're Yes. Talking. So, and we'll so put just, we'll put those in the show notes, some of those folks. Notes. And now everyone knows where they are. That's right. If you were paying attention, exactly. I'm not gonna walk you, you over there again. Okay. <laughs> Let's just go through this list of questions. And if you don't have answers, just Either say, I'll say pass. Say, I I'll don't say know. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hit the red button or just maybe give us different ways of thinking about it, which you're just so darn good at. All right. I categorize these. And like I said, there's stacks of them. We're just going to start at the beginning. And this first group's kind of about pain and ergonomics. Mm. First question Why does it hurt so much to lift your arms up over your head in the early days of breastfeeding? Okay. So. Right off the bat, and, the, you know, for all pain things, like the experience of pain is is varying. Not everyone feels right. pain in the same situations, the same input. So I would probably want to modify this question to, to why does it hurt me so much when I lift my arms over my head in the early days of when I was breastfeeding? Just to not project. I mean, I think a lot of times there's a lot of like, this is, you know, pregnancy is a pain-filled time. It's like certainly for some, but not for everyone. So to keep those distinctions in mind is helpful. So, I mean, I don't know why some of the things, you know, I was thinking of which could be a reason is one, we're already pretty unmoved. And then, you know, it's like if you had a personal trainer. So here's the thing. I've said this over and over again, but I would say that deep, deep down, when I say that all movement works in your body equally to exercise, we still don't really grasp what it is that I'm saying. So like if a personal trainer, if you went to a gym and they give you a kettlebell that was eight pounds and you went from never doing anything really with your arms to carrying this eight pound kettlebell around for eight hours a day, picking it up and moving it around, that that would be a very large transition like you're and you're holding it usually you know you're not pushing it up overhead and out to the side it's like the same position right the baby holding position you just do this over and over again for hours and hours if you had a kettlebell and you did that and you set it down 
and then reached your arms up overhead, it would be like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like it would just be, you just introduced high repetitious, I'm going to say high load because I mean, yeah. eight pounds doesn't seem high, but to go from zero to eight for many can be high. Coupled with, you have breasts that are heavier. Nice. Sorry. Nice. It's the thunder. I'm scared. Thunder. Coupled with heavier breasts, maybe filled with milk. I mean, you just added a whole bunch. You just put on a weight vest over your chest, and then you're like, you're, you're sleep deprived, right? So maybe your recovery isn't the same. Your nutrition might be a little bit different, right? Because you're right. constantly making milk. So I would say that that probably has something to do with it. But other than that, I don't know. Those would be my ideas. All right. Next one. What are some tips to avoid the tension in the traps and shoulders from holding while breastfeeding? I assume holding the baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just holding, holding them up. One, change the holds you're using, which is just a fancy way of saying vary your position, right? We're very strong in the traps and the shoulders in this internal rotation. So then we go to that position to hold our baby. So put your arms down, you know, um, switch sides more often. Lie down. Let the baby lie down with you. Change the way that you're using your body while you're breastfeeding. So in that moment, you're actually not needing to tense them. Mm. Two. And this goes back a little bit more ecologically broader. Use your arms for lots of other things. We go to zero to the baby training program in our arms. And we were already exceptionally weak in this area. And now we just loaded this high repetitious program to it. So, I mean, if you are thinking, hey, I'm going to breastfeed someday. What could I do now is like start training your upper body in lots of dynamic ways so that you're like, you can hang from your arms, you can carry things for long distances, but you can carry them in different ways. Recently, one of my challenges, I've been traveling a lot and I've always gone for the backpack. Super easy, right? Right. I've started carrying a duffel bag with like a handle, no straps. And it's a pain. Yeah, it can Literally, be. Sure. It can be because I'm so used to having my hands free. To make it easier on me. So I thought, well, I'm going to reduce some of the ease. I'm just carrying this this bag. And like I, you know, I landed and I'm often walking in the towns where I'm staying. And so it's hard to carry this very, I mean, it's got my computer. It's just a duffel bag. It's got my clothes, my computer, often multiple copies of books. It's like heavy. I mean, I'm carrying it on my head. I'm carrying it overhead and then letting my elbow bend so my arms behind me. So I'm just hanging it on my tricep. So uh-huh. By getting rid of the backpack, I'm like doing all these arm stretches and different holds and carries that look way outside of the box. It's not just like putting your backpack on one shoulder. And it's not low profile at all. Me walking down the train track. I'm, I'm picturing it right now down the streets of New York City with no, the duffel the, perched on your head. And the duffel bag is from the Goodwill and it's like a tool bag. So it has like some big, you know, like tool. Some guy was like, is that full of tools? As I was on the plane, I was like, no, it's my lunch. <laughs> yeah so it's just it's it's awkward but again i just got i You're got three hours of training yeah yeah anyway so start using your arms for lots of other things non that take you out of that one repetitious thing you know prioritize exercise and training for your arms as well as using your arms more in life that non-exercise movement component and the third one is to stop tensing them that's a Which good seems one. like a joke. Like, it's not a joke. So uh, if you've been following around, you know, like, there's 
Like sometimes we just tense our quads, hold our kneecaps up all the time. Sometimes our, our chests are just lifted. We're tensing our back. But apropos of nothing, just habit where you can just stop tensing. So if you're noticing a lot of tension in your traps, just without holding anything, like I'll notice my arms are, you know, are folded in front of my chest while I'm not holding anyone or doing anything. And I've got tense traps, tense chest. And I'm, it's not because I'm doing anything. I'm just tensing them first. So then I can just relax. Mm-hmm. My arms relax down by your side. So if you're an arm crosser, carrier, just Or hand them. squeezer. I have uh, friends Whatever and students that will, will squeeze their hands continually, almost like they have a stress ball in their hands. Oh. And once I, you know, help them become mindful of it, then that shoulder pain and tension will go away. Yeah. yeah. You just have to be aware of your patterns. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, I get stabbing breast pains before the baby fusses to be nursed. It's like my boobs know before the baby, and it hurts. Why is this, and what is this, and why? Is it letdown pains? I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> I just thought, like, a cool, just some cool information, since I don't know, it gets boring after a while. I don't know why your particular sensations, like, st- I haven't had stabbing pains but I have had letdown sensations. So just because I think it's cool to kind of know how things work. Inside of your breasts, lactating breasts, well, all breasts. I don't know if male breasts. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Inside of lactating breasts, for sure, are alveolar sacs, so very similar to what you have in your lungs, that are, they have two layers. They're made of two layers. Remember how your uterus had multiple right. layers? These alveolar sacs, they're two layers. The innermost layer, so it's like if you imagine a balloon, put a, put a balloon inside a balloon. The innermost balloon is what secretes or produces the milk. Okay. The outermost layer is what moves the milk. It kind of ejects the milk outside of the sac that it's being produced in. So that outermost layer, it's myoepithelial cells. Um, technically not smooth muscle cells, but they, they actually resemble smooth muscle cells more than epithelial cells. So they function like smooth muscle. And when they, when those contract, it pushes the milk out of the sack and down into the ducts, which like lets it down, not ducts, like quack, quack, like ducts, Uh, ducts, in case you are, in case you're like, do I have ducts in my breast? (laughs) This is a very educational show. Stick with us. So I don't know if the letdown sensation, if no, I don't know if it's everyone is perceiving the same portion of that process. Are some people feeling the contraction of the lobules, which are the collection of the alveolar sacs? Are they feeling the milk move down Mm. the ducts? I'm not sure. For me, my letdown was really, it had like a phase to it. It wasn't like a stab or contraction. I could just feel, feel, <laughs> I could feel the milk displace from what, or or actually I don't even know if it was, but I think it was because I could feel it and it was coming and coming and then there was milk coming out. So it was a longer duration movement for me, which I assume was the migration of the milk. Okay. Interestingly enough, so now we go to... <laughs> Interesting to me is that, you know, I don't know. One of the reasons our sensations or our experiences aren't equal is although we have like a lot of similar 
anatomy, as you get close, when you start looking at anatomy on the cellular level, and that you see like that you've got different genetic expressions happening within, you know, quote, the same cells. I believe I will look to see what I can find if I, we can link it in the show notes. But that squeeze of the alveolar sacs, that force production capability of that mammary myoepithelial layer that is affecting how hard that squeeze is, that ranges, that there's different that you can express, those genes can express having more, I was looking it up. I think it's, I think it's, it doesn't really matter. No, it's pretty cool though. It's pretty cool. Yes. Smooth muscle alpha actin. So you can have within those same epithelial cells, you can have different amounts Mm -hmm. of, of components of those cells. And then now you kind of have like, oh, maybe that's why my milk doesn't come down so fast or so easy. Like we all have different force production in those cells. What affects that? Nobody knows. It's just recent. That's crazy. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, it's really cool, you know, to kind of go, okay, well that, that there's a range of experience that we see across people and, and what affects that range? Nobody knows. The fact Mm. that there is a range is too new, right? It's brand new. Anyway, that's awesome. Anyway, just so you, when you talk about breastfeeding, know that that this is this kind of idea that we have very similar parts, but yet they can be di- di- different and, and work differently down on a cellular level for whatever reason, um, I think is important, you know, just to, right. when you're thinking about, well, why, you know, other questions like, well, what about plug ducts or, you know, or whatever? It's like, maybe that relates to that. I'm not sure. And then what, how, what's affecting how your alpha actin of your smooth muscle is expressing i don't know nobody knows but those could be things it's pretty cool those could be those could be things thanks (laughs) it's science folks those could be things (laughs) (laughs) all right no that was very interesting i mean jeez who knew holly okay let's see are there mechanical ways to avoid or treat plugged ducks oh not ducks ducks. did you have a plug did you have a plugged duct Mm, yeah once once, I never had and I think I remember hearing a story that you could just, from one of my relatives or something, about just letting the baby nurse a lot, and little guy unplugged it for me. Yeah, so there's there's just different, you know, there's different types. Like, it's sometimes, as I understand it, again, see your local lactation consultant. Right. As I understand it, you know, it's about movement, because that's the filter which we're talking about. But either your milk isn't being pulled all the way out, which could be a nursing issue like on the end or maybe it's milk production where it's where it's seeping out in a slower way or there's inflammation so i just think that there's lots of different lots of different things i don't know is the easiest answer okay this is kind of cool if you look up breast stuff breast anatomy pictures if you, you want to see how how the body relates to this to it to itself you know and all the different parts when you look at breastfeeding, you just get a picture of like the breast tissue hanging on nothing. There's no muscles with it. There's no bones for the most part. It's just like, it's the breast. It's a separate tissue. It's just like the blood vessels and the, and the fat and the lobules and the, and the duck and the, and the nipples. So you don't, you're not often reminded that the breast is part of the ecosystem of the body. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be, a, there's a lot of questions about 
why aren't my breasts doing this or that? And the answer is, I don't know. However, going back to that movement drought, how does that relate to a movement drought? That Those are the parts that I'm interested in. So if you, if you look at like the anatomy of your breast, I mean, you, we choose when we say that this is a part and it's not a, attached. Like all those words are words about words used to parse things, to tease things out, to look at them, to discuss them, but they don't work in isolation. And so your, your breast tissue is on, is, is over the musculature that encases your chest wall, right? So your breast is moved by the movement of your ribs. It's moved by your pectoralis major, your serratus anterior, your external obliques, the rectus abdominis fascia, the the blood supply providing circulation to these muscles is perforating like through the breast itself. It's also supplying blood to the breast. So then if you're like, you know, if you're talking about rivers and you are looking at a river on the other side of the forest, you wouldn't just stand and look at the the pool at one area, you'd go, well, let's go back to the source of that river closer and see if there's like a dam somewhere, you know, you would, you would have a more, like you wouldn't be talking about the last three inches of a river. You would be considering the river to me to be affected by fluid dynamics in many other places, but we rarely look outside the breast for things going on with the breast that are flow related, that are, that are movement related and that are operating under the laws of the universe, you know, the same laws of the universe that affect flow and everything else. So like the bulk of the people that I work with, which I would say is a pretty good, they're a pretty good slice, you know, of at least North America, you know, of all different ages, of different abilities. I mean, we have a similar cultural experience for sure, but you're, you're looking at a lot of different people doing a lot of different things. And I would say that the bulk of the people that I've ever met have almost no shoulder mobility, which means like they can move their arm all around, but it's moving from the spine. It's like, you know, it's, it's like, there's not a lot of movement of the tissues around the breasts. So it's like I, I'm very interested in what happens to the inner workings of the breast when you start working all of the parts that I would consider to be of the breast, right? Which certainly is the movement system that is attached to it, you know, right. that's connected to it. Like I'm not talking about, well, you know, stretch your calves for better breast health. <laughs> I'm like going, <laughs> your breasts are sitting on top of this thing that is barely conducting any force throughout your life, you know? And so, right. Yeah. I'm sure some minds are blown just by thinking about breasts in that, with that perspective, that they're not just hanging there, you know, like oh. a bag on a doorknob, but there's, they're connected to well, everything. I mean, I'm not going to go as that far to say it's not that. Like sometimes I have bags on a doorknob days, you know, but, but if I want to change those bags, I just have to use the muscles underneath, underneath uh. them. Right. Like I, you know, so it's just like, and, I just think that I just think that like we just have can we can we stop talking about the breast as something that is in a vacuum because I think that it limits it really limits the progress we're trying to make and certainly in a time where breast health has perhaps never been poorer I think that starting to think about it more ecologically 
um, in terms of just basic anatomy, right. is it's time. I just think it's time to do that. So yeah. Anyway. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. I appreciate for that it. rant. Yeah. Pass. Pass. <laughs> Let's pass that one. I don't know. All right. Uh, here's this person writes. I guess I know the answer to this, but my pelvis is in a permanent posterior tilt after breastfeeding for about a year now. I'm so tired and my daughter is so big that I find it hard to stay sitting up straight or standing, though I do feed her in these positions as well. Would you be mm-hmm. focusing on neutral pelvis whenever, well, no, let me rephrase that. Should I be focusing on neutral pelvis whenever <laughs> possible when feeding? Oh, I would say, oh, what would I say? I'm just going to say. So, and for anybody just listening that was not sure that posterior means you're kind of tucked. Yeah, thank your you Your pelvis for that. is tucked like you're sitting on your tailbone, sort of. Yeah, I think that, you know, like striving for and like the best ergonomics that you don't have to focus on that so much. But if if your tail, like if if someone was having symptoms, like a lot of tailbone pain and they're like, oh, when I sit, you know, my tailbone really hurts and I'm sitting a lot to nurse and, you know, sitting in a neutral pelvis takes that pressure off. And certainly I would say, you know, adjust your, adjust your skeleton in a way that helps you deal with whatever your symptoms is. For someone else, it might be nursing, um, you know, gets my upper back so tense, in which case I would say, well, you know, can you relax your rib cage while you're still doing that? So I don't think that the ultimate adjustment for everyone is the pelvis. And I don't even think that holding your pelvis neutral while you're doing something is a goal within itself, unless you have found that your pelvic positioning, that there's a better pelvic positioning for you that positively affects symptoms that you're having for whatever you're experiencing. But that all being said, so I guess, so one, yes, I would say that if you know of an adjustment to your positioning that makes what you're doing easier on you to to think about, I can do this while I'm breastfeeding too. This is a perfectly good time for me to be thinking about form just as if I were doing bicep curls or any other exercise that you can apply form to any part of your life. And then also, you know, it sounds like, you know, your, your pelvis isn't in a permanent post tilt because you've been breastfeeding for a year to break that relationship up in your mind. It would, I would say that it has more, if, if breastfeeding is what you're doing most often out of everything, then you might want to think about adding a lot more movement into your life. You know, like that your, your pelvis might be tilted posteriorly now because of 100% of the things that you're doing. It doesn't relate to breastfeeding more than it relates to anything else. Mm-hmm. If that makes yeah. Sense. Um, I, I would focus on, I do focus on moving while nursing. Right. So like maybe you can sit on a rolled towel. This is like some of the exercise, like the click clack exercise from Diastasis Recti, that book. To nurse and you can sit up on a towel and maybe you post tilt and anterior tilt. Like you're actually doing a click clack. You're getting more movement versus striving for a single fixed position. And it's not always possible to add movements. Like if you're like, well, I would love to, but like I'm having trouble with this nursing part. So like if I'm thinking about exercise, the baby gets distracted. So obviously baby getting food, most important thing. Second thing would be to add like all those, all the things from don't just sit there, all those office things, just consider your job is breastfeeding. How can I create a dynamic breastfeeding station, (laughs) you know, to like bring your tools. You have, do you have a, 
a yoga tuna ball that you can put behind you? Or can you roll your feet on a tennis ball? Like dynamic breastfeeding station. Excellent. New, new book. I'm just going to take, don't just, just sit there and put a new title on it. But yeah, works. it's the same. It's just the same. It's just, we just have to recognize that the goal, the end goal is, is really to get more movement overall, that that's kind of, kind of the end. That's, that's what we're taking steps towards. So anyway. All right. Next question. Let's see. Are there ways you might expect our sedentary culture could be casting both nursing mom and baby in ways we don't yet understand, such as lymph movement, nursing frequency and duration, lack of temperature variation? Sure. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. In the ways that we don't understand or perhaps the ways that we don't see, you know, like you get like... Mm. Like, like the fact that we even perceive breastfeeding to be a sole relationship between the mother and the child versus allo parents and the child that we, that we really see that breastfeeding is a, an experience between a duo and not between yeah. a larger, a dyad is probably the better word. It's not mm. a singing group <laughs> like Sonny and Cher breastfeeding. Yeah. Like that we, that we see it as two people, right? So that is, that is. That's a cultural thing, you know, and so when we're talking, you know, you talk, people will say, I've got twins. What do I do? It's like, well, part of what's casting your experience is that you live, you know, by yourself in a house and there's no other, there's no aloe parents with you. So we go back to that ecological model where those would be components of nutrient delivery, comfort delivery, you know, making sure that everyone is receiving pressure touch like whatever else comes like breastfeeding we just i mean it's not even breastfeeding is not even just nutrient delivery it's all these other things that we don't even understand so just that might have you know been like oh i didn't think of that like it's it's just i think it's i think it's everything i think that our entire experiences right now that we are having are I, I, it's kind of hard because like I have my own bias of that because I understand movement and I'll, then I will process everything through movement, which is fine. Like I recognize it, but still I think that everyone in their own field is going to do that same thing is that out of everything that's kind of, you know, like if you're talking about like, like, like an evolutionary biology, like a, a mismatch theory, we are in this movement drought. Like it is, it is informing and shaping our entire experience of of everything and that's going to show up of course in in breastfeeding and everything else so i, I mean i we could just come up with variables all day long i think we've talked about a lot of the different right. variables but our sedentary culture if we go back to like shoulder like maybe our breast experiences are i mean couldn't we also say that the prevalence of the breast health that we're experiencing is we use terms like Western Europeans or, you know, you're defining your population as their age, as their gender, as their socioeconomic group. Like these are the way we've chosen to define people. But we could also say that this is the breast health of people who move their arms at this frequency and degree. But no one has ever done that yet because then you would have to be able to like it's not easy to sort for how someone moves their sure. arms and to what extent. But overall, there's kind of these large natural experiences of like what happens to the shoulder health and the muscle force production, all these things of people who move in this way. But we don't we don't 
think about quantifying ourselves in terms of movement because again we just think of like exercise so you're an exerciser or you're sedentary right the fact that you're almost entirely sedentary compared to other humans alive on the planet right now and certainly all other previous humans like that your level of sedentarism is is a total outlier for being unprecedentedly high like we don't think in those terms i think in those terms but and i'm hoping that that will become like, that's really, that's the whole point of what I write and like these podcasts and everything is to like really coach you through this idea of to recognize how little you actually move. And not only each individual part, when you stretch your hamstrings or, you know, when you stretch your calves or whatever, when you go to move those parts to see that they don't move, but your total movement from place to place is unprecedentedly small. So is that casting all of our experiences? Certainly. Pass. <laughs> hey, I'm supposed to remind you, you have a letter that you said you oh, yeah. talked about in the beginning. Is that what you're waiting for? You're just like so good. You're like, I'm just going to wait until she figures it out. All right. So I got this letter in the mail. I love it. I've been a dancer since I was a little girl and a Pilates instructor for about 10 years now. By many standards, a mover most of my life. I even did my squats when I was pregnant and somehow managed a non-medicated birth. But after my girl was born, I fell into a deep dark hole maybe it was just a portland winter i like that i was there at the end of the portland winter people were not happy in portland they're like please <laughs> of course i was overjoyed at my baby but between the nursing and the rain and just being exhausted i stopped moving i started doing things i'd never really done like surfing the internet playing games on the phone and shopping online i drove everywhere and then the pain came i started having pain in my neck shoulders back knees i knew that i needed to move and would cry to my husband at night, I never get to exercise. See, my whole life, my fitness had been tied to going to classes. And I was convinced that I would start feeling better if I could only make it to class. But with a baby, I had no time. And on the rare occasions I made it to class, I injured myself. I was irritable, constantly frustrated with my child and my husband. The low point came when I somehow hurt my neck while getting out of bed one morning. And Aww. I couldn't hold my little girl for three days. Aww. This went on for about 15 months. Then one day on a whim, I decided to listen to your podcast while driving to work. I had read some of your stuff here and there before and had been intrigued, but never truly, quote, gotten what you were saying before. Suddenly, it was like the clouds parted. I could exercise, i.e. move, while I was with my toddler. Playing with her is movement. Walking to the park is movement. Squatting down to communicate with her on her level is movement. And it is not only good for me, but is good for her and sets an example for her developing mind and body. It's been about a month since I began this journey, and I feel like I'm only just beginning to make the changes I want to, but I already feel a hundred times better. Yay. I'm happy again. I'm connecting so much more with my child, my husband, and myself. It really resonated with me when you thought when you said you thought your life was over after having your kids, but then you figured it out. And with your help, I feel like I'm finally, quote, figuring it out. And it is informing and inspiring my teaching it well as well. I still love Pilates and dancing and movement classes, and they will be there when I find the time again. But in the meantime, I am still a moving human body, and that is the puzzle piece that I was missing. Aww, what yes. a great so, letter! It was, it was, it was lovely, and Aww. I, you know, and it was I like a letter, letter. No, it was a real tight. I know that's crazy, like because that Danny, didn't come through me. You know, the gatekeeper. So <laughs> I've been getting mail, handwritten letters. Oh, it's made me sit down and write letters. Part of my step away from tech is to get back to this. Letter writing, actually connecting with people in a way that's not like 
I just want to shoot this off. Right. It's like admirable. You actually have to create a ceremony around writing a letter, right? So it's it was beautiful. But I get things like this a lot of times. And so I think a lot of people are often, you know, it's like, I don't understand. Exercise or not exercise. I like exercise. And it's like, those are all fine. What's happening is because we keep saying over and over again that what you need for your health is the exercise, the classes, when you're unable to get to them. And exercise classes are not inclusive. They are for a very limited group of people. When people can't get to them, they perceive then that health is unattainable to them. And then it starts kind of like this, this, I, I'm out of control. I can't take care of myself. I can't, I can't get to any of the things that I know and I love. I, so when you can break those two things up in your mind and you can see the value that's in an exercise class and an exercise, you see what it does and what it is, what its definition is and where it sits in the broader context of movement. You can recognize that as a, as movement instructors, for those of you that are movement instructors, it only serves the population we're trying to reach better when we can clearly define those two things, our role, you know, what we're trying to do. And then it allows us to get more of the thing that we're teaching, right? Like, are you teaching exercise or are you teaching movement? In which case you'd have to teach, you know, exercise and non-exercise movement, right? That that you want to have that understanding of of both, perhaps, if you are to best help this group of people that are seeking movement instruction, right? Because they they have even they have even less understanding oftentimes of movement because they are not, you know, movement and exercise aficionados who've been studying it and who love it. So I like the context, I think, in the end, by broadening out from exercise, is only going to serve and help and help people like this who are like, I can't take your class. I'm sorry, I'm just going to sit over here and be getting less out of my life because there was like no one showed me another way, you know, so I I, I just I think it's such an important time, especially I mean, maybe I'm biased to new moms in those first four years, but because of the way that we do it in such isolation where there's like one person, I mean, you often don't even have parents, you don't even have co-parenting. You know, you have usually one primary parent, like you've just, you've removed an entire support network from this person in a drought of movement, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then you end up with Aww. more sedentary, you know, cells on your culture. So it's exciting. It's exciting. It's, I think it's, I think it is a very exciting time, a, a pivotal point, a tipping point in movement and exercise science. I haven't seen anything like this since maybe core strength came in in the 90s that was a big tipping point too of going hey it's not just your arms and legs it's your core yeah what's the transversalis like what's the transverse abdominis we've never heard of that that's not in any of my anatomy books like that was a big tipping point and i think we're in another one with this shift from exercise to To movement yeah yeah that's awesome well it was a nice letter thank you in fact i say we just stop let's just quit let's quit that was a great letter We don't want to, you know, bore people too much. And this is, I think, uh, a lot of food for thought in this one. I I was waiting for you to acknowledge your food for thought pun. You know what? I'm trying to to unpun a little bit. (laughs) There's so many out there. There's so many out there. So I just got to, I got to, I got to play the winners. 
I support that decision. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was kind of another one right there. All right. All right, my dear. Who's taking us out? Is that me? Uh, probably. That's you, baby doll. Huh. All right. Are you going to be anywhere fun when this comes out? This is coming out the end of May. May 30th, I think. You just missed me in Texas. Oh. Uh, I'll be heading to the Netherlands next. Oh, okay. Well, we'll all meet up there, everybody. So <laughs> Meet me in the <laughs> Netherlands. Road trip. Okay. Thank you for listening. For more information, books, and online exercise classes, you can find Katie Bowman at nutritiousmovement.com. And you can also learn more about me, Danny Hammett, at moveyourbodybetter.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Hopefully you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such.